Welcome to the ADHD Open Space Podcast. My name is Gray Miller, and I will be your host and facilitator as we explore ideas, workarounds, accommodations, and other aspects of being a professional adult with ADHD. Most of this will come from my perspective as a cis white male in his mid-50s, living in the Midwest, who found out a year ago that I've been living with ADHD my entire life. I am not an expert on ADHD, except maybe in not knowing I've had it for half a century and somehow still getting by. But I promise to cite my sources, or at least admit when I'm repeating something I read on the interwebs. If I say anything you don't agree with, you are welcome to call me on it and let me know. This podcast is also part of the lead-up into the first ADHD open space happening in Madison, Wisconsin, on January 20th, 2024. You can learn more about that event both here in the show and at the website ADHDopen.space. The first 30 episodes of this podcast are also being released as part of National Podcast Post Month, not Pod Pomo. That means things might get a little rough, but it's going to be fun. Kind of like ADHD, right? Enjoy the show. Living with adult ADHD, what short-term memory dysfunction looks like. It's easy to spot when you know what to look for. There's a whole lot of theoretical and empirical data out there about ADHD. One of the frameworks lies in the area of executive dysfunction, something characterized by Kristen Carter as a sort of inside-out-esque team of executives in your head, each in charge of a different department. One of these departments is working memory. What are the other five, you ask? I don't remember. But that's okay, because I want to give a couple of quick examples of how this works in everyday life. Or perhaps a better way to put it, how it doesn't work. Episode 1, in which I go get chicken. A couple weeks ago, we decided to splurge and get some fried chicken from our favorite chain. I offered to go get it, asking my partner, Would you text me what I want, what you want? I wanted to be sure to get her order right the last time I had to text her last minute at the window to find out if it should be regular or spicy. She shrugged. It's just the same as last time, and rattled off the specifics of the order. I repeated it back to her, and she nodded. Perfect. I had the information. I was off to hunt for deep-fried fowl. Twenty minutes later, I returned and handed her a bag containing her two-piece meal and my three-piece meal. She looked at me quizzically. You got a two-piece? I quizzicaled back at her. No, you said you wanted the same as last time, a two-piece spicy. She shook her head. No, I asked for a three-piece. You repeated it back to me, remember? And that was the dysfunction. I had repeated it back to her, I'm sure. But rather than bother to retain three-piece, my brain focused on the other information. Same as last time, and spicy. I hadn't been able to hold the information that I had spoken aloud in my head during the 10-minute drive to the chicken place. Episode 2, Efficiently Insisting on the Entirely Unnecessary. So here's a more recent example. Our job requires us to have two cars in our single-lane driveway. My partner uses hers to commute to the office each day while I have occasional meetings and networking events to attend. 
That means that the normal configuration of cars in our single-lane driveway is first mine, then hers, so she can get out every morning as I'm sitting down to my home office. So last night, when I was out running errands, and she got home before me. When I finally got home, I stopped before the driveway and texted her, we should move the cars. Why, you might ask, but only if you don't live in Wisconsin. Because it's a well-known principle of us up here north that it's harder to rearrange cars in the cold and bitter light of February mornings. Since I was already in the car, it made sense that my partner would just run out and move her car now, rather than put it off for our future selves. So I called my partner on the phone, confident that she would be impressed and likely even a little turned on by my foresight. We should move the cars, I said. There was a pause on the line, then a sigh, and a disheartened, Okay, let me put on some warmer clothes and my boots. I was a little surprised. I mean, she knew I was coming home. She wouldn't already be in her pajamas if we had to move the cars. I shook my head. I guess I'm not the only one that needs to be better at planning ahead, huh? We moved the cars, and then as we were doing the boots and coats off ritual in the foyer, she gave me a sidelong look. You remember I'm taking tomorrow off, right? And I felt the heat rush to my face. Didn't need to move the cars. Ah, she's taking tomorrow off. Because it's my birthday? She, I could tell by the tone in her voice what she was really wondering. Did Gray forget that tomorrow's my birthday and that therefore there was no need to move the cars? I was embarrassed. I was mad at myself for not thinking it through, for ruining her cozy, warm night, and also a little bit at her. Why didn't you remind me of that when I called you? I asked, only a little defensively. Well, I figured you knew I was taking the day off. You must have had a good reason to want to move the cars. And there was the dysfunction. Now, it's true that I knew that her birthday was tomorrow. And it's true that I knew she was taking the day off for her birthday. It has been planned for weeks. It's also true that neither of those things were accessible to me when I called her. At least, not when I'd been driving errands for two hours during a snowstorm, and I was still very focused on getting home. So what have we learned? Well, there's a few lessons here. Some are simple, like, if you think you're going to remember it, write it down anyway. Or, if you're tired and stressed and think you have a really good idea, spend a little more time thinking through it. Some are for my partner, like, never assume that his irrational behavior is for a rational reason. It's, for, it's worth it to ask why. But the harder ones are things like not beating myself up for getting things wrong, or assuming that something being temporarily inaccessible means I'd forgotten it, or worse, that it doesn't mean anything to me. And that's a hard one for my partner as well, because our entire culture is built around this idea that well, if they can't be bothered to remember things about you, obviously you're not important to them. And if you think that, I'd like you to try just for a moment to imagine that you did want to remember things about the people who were important to you, and that you tried really hard to do so, and you kept forgetting anyway, because that's just how your brain is. And that's the hardest lesson of all. That's just how your brain is, Bray. It's both a relief and a rage. Thank the gods, it wasn't that I was lazy or stupid or uncaring. And also, curse you, genetic lottery that gave me this brain. This is not what I wanted when I said I was a lifelong learner. 
So I unclench my fists, I wipe off the tears. And I pull out my notebook and my pen. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the ADHD Open Space Podcast. Again, my name is Gray Miller. If you have any comments or questions about the show, you can feel free to leave them on the podcast page at adhdos.substack.com forward slash podcast. Or you can email me directly, gray, G-R-A-Y, at adhdopen.space. The background music for the intro and outro are from pixabay.com and are called Funny Days Together by Background Music Lab, used under a YouTube content ID license. 